anything other than money. <laughs> like, I would rather tell you to sacrifice your life and, like, go move to an unreached people group, which I tell you that pretty much every week, don't I? Like, I would rather, like, be like that and tell you that than to say, hey, it matters how you spend your money. And it's, and it's in the Scriptures, and we've got to wrestle with Scriptures. And so if we believe in the Lordship of Jesus, that He's King over all things, this resurrected King has set us free from all things, but He's also Lord of all things. And what it means to follow Jesus is have this new life in Jesus, but that we can't just pick and choose the areas of our lives that we want Jesus to have say in. We have to come and submit ourselves to Him. And I was going to be honest, this topic of generosity, not just, our, not just the money side of it, but just living a life generously. Here's some reasons why it's, it's hard for me to preach. Number one, it's because it's very convicting to me. Um, I grew up um, kind of in and around the church, kind of left the church, and now I'm back in the church. Um, and generosity has always been a hard thing for me. I'm a spender. I'm selfish. And the thought of giving my money away for something outside of me is, is not natural uh, for me. I, I'm not that type of person. So it's very convicting um, for me. For many years, the idea of giving to the church or giving through the church to the nations and all that, that was not something I was doing um, at all. And it's a discipline that is one of the hardest ones for me. And, and also, I know our culture, okay? So it's personally convicting for me, but I know our culture that, um, and sometimes rightly so, and sometimes not rightly so, has uh, looked at the church of how we have seen money, the way we've viewed money, the way we've elevated money. Uh, and, I, and I've seen personally, and I've witnessed, that sometimes the church uh, doesn't approach this topic well. It's give us your money, and that's what you're supposed to do, and we're after bigger and better things. Give me more. Um, and so so many of you, as guests, you may say, yeah, I've been out of church for a really long time, and now I'm back, and yep, the preacher's talking about money. I, I know it. I knew it was going to happen, uh, and, and I, I know that's kind of the, the posture of so many of us, and because we've seen it abused. Uh, so many folks, we've seen that in the church, and um, and I know, uh, again, some reasons for me, too, is to preach on money. I'm insecure about it because God has blessed me uh, to do what I do full time. Like, if you don't know that, I don't, I mean, I work and do this stuff and, like, to help oversee the church. And that's hard for me to say, hey, be generous and give, uh, not just to the church, but yes to the church. Because, I mean, I have something in that. Like, you're helping pay my, my livelihood, you know. And, like, it, it's weird for me. It really is. It's weird for me to stand up before you and say, hey, you guys need to be generous because, it feels like it's self-serving, but we have a conviction here at this church is to preach through God's Word. And as we see it, it, it comes to us, even though it's hard for me, and I would probably skip this topic almost all the time. I'm just be honest with you um, for a lot of reasons. But it's here. Uh, and so let's wrestle with it together, okay? Uh, let's see what Jesus has to say uh, to us. And so I agree with Paul in Philemon uh, verse 8. Um, I ran across this this week, and I was like, man, this articulates my heart for our people this week. It says, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. I mean, it's clear in Scripture what it means to be generous. I mean, it's just clear. And I'm bold enough to command you, based upon the authority of God's Word, to do this and that. But, I love what Paul says, he says, Yet, for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. And so that's what I want to do today is just appeal to us because I love you and I'm wrestling with these things myself and I don't want anything to rob us from the joy of Jesus. Uh, and money has a way of doing that. And here's why before we jump into Luke 12. Here's the reality about money. Money is just paper and coins that we have ascribed value to. Right? We say that this little thing has value and here's the precise purpose of money is so that we have these things that, are, that we've given value to trade for things that we value. 
So we will give money to things that we value to have the things. Money buys us stuff. And it's just a thing that we've created in our culture. Here's the reason why money is such a big deal. Our possessions, our stuff. Here's why I think Jesus talks about it all the time. The reason money, the main reason money is such a big deal is it reveals to us what we value. We give it value, and it shows us what we value. That's why Jesus, later on in the text that we're in today, Luke chapter 12, verse 34, says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you value, what your treasure is, your heart will follow that thing. And, and John Piper says it this way, The movement of your money signifies the movement of your heart. It's just a paraphrase of what Jesus is saying in Luke 12, 34. What you value, you love. If you see something as a treasure, your heart's going to be there. You're going to have an attachment to it. And what Piper's saying, the movement of your money, if you want to really see what you really believe and what you really love, look at how you're spending your money. Your heart will follow your money. The movement of your money signifies the movement of your heart. It's not just swapping the debit card, buying things. Like there's something deeper going on in our culture. There's something deeper going on in the church. It's the movement of our hearts. It reveals to us what we value. So we value life, survival, and we value taste and experience like that. So we what? We buy food. You value something, so you're going to give up the, the sacrifice of money. We value education, so we buy books and we... Some of you say, I'm going into debt to go to college, to get an education. Why? Why are you paying that? Because you value education and what that can buy. We value entertainment, maybe more than we should in this culture. And we, so we give our money to Netflix and sporting events and all these trinkets and things. We want to be entertained because we value entertainment. So the movement of our money is really the movement of our heart. And so here's where it gets convicting for me. That's true. I mean, we, we can't argue with that. But here's what's, what's convicting. Is I say that I value the advancement of the gospel among all nations. Like I say I value lives being transformed. I say I believe in the local church. I mean, I really do. I'm giving my life to the church. And all of its messiness and the things that we do wrong, I, I believe in it. I say I believe in all of those things, making disciples among the nations. But if I look at the way I spend my money, would those two things line up? I value this, so says I, but I look at my bank statement. And, and does it really do that? Now, that's not all of that it means, but I think that's what the lesson that Jesus is teaching us here. That's the reality about our resources. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here's a statement that we're going to wrestle with as we jump into the text. Money shows us that we value things more than God. It's going to show us one of these two things. It's going to show us that we value stuff more than we value God and the things of God. If we're not spending money and leveraging our resources for the things that He loves, then it shows us something. that we, Our heart is more attached to stuff than it is attached to Him. Or, or we can look at money and show that we're actually becoming more like Jesus by His grace and money, the way we use it, will show us that we value God more than things. It's one of the two. We value stuff more than God, or we value God more than stuff. It's one of the two. So, let's, I have you in Luke 12. Let's jump into verse 13. Uh, let's just read um, these things together, and we'll just uh, make some comments uh, about it, and we'll be done. 
Luke 12, verse 13. So someone comes up to Jesus in the crowd, and they said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? So here's the situation. Somebody comes up to Jesus, and he's teaching, and he's going through, and uh, people are rejecting him. And this, this guy and his brother comes up, and they have this inheritance. Someone has probably passed away, uh, and it was probably, probably supposed to be split evenly, and the brother's just trying to, to say no against that. Uh, the divided inheritance are fighting over how to do that. And so I don't know if any families have fought over money at all before, but, I mean, it's the case. It's reality. But notice Jesus' reply. He says, hey, I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not your judge. And I, so I can't really get into the details of this situation. Now, who, who made me this? But what we're going to see is Jesus doesn't just say, you know what, money doesn't really matter. I, I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus, and so I just care about your soul, about spiritual things. Money's your business. <laughs> I'm not going to get into all of that. He doesn't say that. But he does say, I'm not going to talk about the details of this situation. But he goes a little deeper. And here's what we want to look at in verse 15. What does he do? He doesn't just dismiss it, but he goes a little deeper. So let's see what he says in verse 15. And Jesus said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. I love this phrase from Jesus. It's been convicting me all week. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. All right, I just want to make sure we're getting this. So that last, starting at 4-1. So let's read that out loud together. Can we do that? For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's convicting. He's saying something that's a reality for us. So here's what's happening. Two things. Listen, Jesus first is revealing the lie. He sees that this man's coming up and asking a legitimate question about his finances. And he reveals the lie. He says, listen, money is going to say to you, you have to have me to have life. That's what money tells us. That's the lie of sin. Sin always deceives us, and money is no different. The way we approach it, it's going to tell us that we have to believe that if you lose me, you lose significance. If you lose stuff or whatever that is, that security, you lose the will to live, you lose all value of life, your life is your stuff. That's what money tells us. It's the lie. Stuff says you need me to truly live. And he reveals that. No, 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 that's not the case. It's not the case at all. It's a lie. And you better be on guard against it. It's there. But then he reveals the idol. He goes a little deeper. He says, beware and be on guard against the way your heart responds to this. That is the lie of stuff. Hey, you need bigger and better. The the emptiness of your soul just needs this thing. And what Jesus is saying, you better be on guard. Your radar better be on. You better understand the tendencies of our heart. We just sang the song, Lord, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. You know, one of the ways that we're prone to leave God is in this area of coveting. And the lie that stuff's going to satisfy. So he does not just reveal the lie. He also reveals the idol. And so you want to know what an idol is. Is when that thing is taken or threatened to be taken away from you. How you react to that. See it's not wrong for him to say. Hey man I'm upset about the situation. We got to get it worked out. But Jesus looked beneath the situation and saw his heart. That he was responding too much. He cared too much about the stuff. And the thought of having to lose it was everything. 
Jesus says, beware. Be on guard. And this is out of love. And the rest of the New Testament agrees. Let's, uh, the words will be on the screen. First Timothy chapter 6. Uh, Paul is writing to the young pastor Timothy, and he's instructing him on how to, to live in the church and how to lead the church. And notice what he says in verse 9. But those who desire, see that word? Desire. It's the heart thing. It's, a, it's an idol. Who desire to be rich. Here's the temptation. Here's the, here's the struggle. Fall into temptation. That's the lie. And into a snare. The idol will crumble underneath the weight of being God to us. And here's, he describes the snare. Into many senseless and harmful desires. A lot of our, our coveting is just senseless. It's not rooted in reality. It's believing lies that will not, I mean, think about that. That's, this little, this stuff, this piece of paper will provide for me what only God can do. It doesn't make sense. But it's not just stupid, it's harmful. And harmful because those desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving, there's the, the idol of coveting, that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You see what Paul's saying? That, that, that money and the way we respond to it has the potential to keep us from Jesus. Like, that's a different level of warning. This is not just, hey, we've got a budget. <laughs> hey, you guys are supposed to give. No, 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 this is deeper than that. So here, the, the scriptures, this is so much more than just, hey, you're supposed to tithe. And that's a good starting place, but it's much more than that. He's revealing so much about our hearts here. And, you say, and Paul's saying that the end is ruin and it's destruction. Watch the way that money can wrap its tentacles, the love of it, and wrap its tentacles around us and keep us from Jesus. So, how about you? Is this, is this true of us? Do we really believe, are we tempted to believe, that things will satisfy more than God? And how is that going in our lives? That we must have more things. And so our whole pursuit is just pursuing more stuff. Or a worry that we don't have enough. This is convicting to me because this is where I live. So let's continue reading Luke 12, verse 16. We've got to move on. But so Jesus, after he bewares of the idol, and he tells him, hey, listen, your life is more than stuff. It is. It's more. He tells a parable, so a story that illustrates his point. So let's read that together, verse 16. And Jesus told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful, plentifully. And he thought to himself, the rich man did, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. So listen, here's the story. There's this guy, and his business really boomed and profited. So whatever that means for you, whatever business you're in, let's just say that it just really just took off. And you found yourself with all of these resources. And he says, you know what? I don't have anywhere to store them. I'm going to build bigger to where I can store these things. And notice, Jesus never rebukes him for building bigger barns. He never rebukes him for even being successful. So what Jesus is not saying to us is that money is bad, so run away from it. It's not what he's saying at all. He, it's good to be successful, and it's even okay to build bigger barns. That's not the point. Here's the point. Jesus rebukes the man for the way he responded to the increase. Not that he had increase, 
but the way he responded to it. It makes all the difference. It's not just about the stuff. The stuff is not bad. This is not a poverty theology that we're more spiritual if we don't have anything. That's not what it is at all. It's the way you respond to the increase or even the lack thereof. Notice verse 19. Here's what the man says after he built the bigger barns. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. Look at God's response from the mouth of Jesus. But God said to him, fool. A heavy word. This night, your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So, I've heard this said a lot, but the sin was not having stuff. The sin was that the stuff began to have him. And we see the way he responds, what his treasure was. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. What he, what's he treasuring here? He's not treasuring God or the things of God. What's he treasuring? R- relaxing. Comfort. Eating and drinking and to have what you need but have it in excess and to be merry. He treasured having fun. And we would say, that's not bad, right? And I think Jesus' answer was, no, that's not bad. None of these things are bad. Relaxing, eating, and drinking, and having fun are not evil. But verse 21 kind of puts this into perspective for us. Why did he say, you're a fool? Here's why. So is the one, the fool is the one who lays up treasure for what? What does it say? For himself. Lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There's a contrast. I use stuff for me. Or I use stuff in a way that is rich toward God. That's the, that's the, that's the two realities. Not that you have stuff. And not even that you're relaxing and eating and drinking and having fun. But are you doing so in a way that's just for you? And that you're completely missing that this area of our lives has everything to do with our relationship with God. It's everything to do with it. So here's a statement again. Life is not about having things. Life is having God. (laughs) That's the point. Like, even if you have stuff, does the stuff make you treasure Jesus more? And if you don't have the stuff, do you walk away from Jesus? Like, that's the tension. That's the question. So what does it mean to be rich toward God? That's what Christ is telling us to beware. Don't be like this rich man. Yes, he succeeded. It's not about the succeeding. But don't pull it into yourself to just have more and more comfort and to live a life of ease. Nothing wrong with that. But he said the tension is if you're doing that, you can be against the things of God. You're not rich toward God. And I think this is what rich toward God means. A lot of commentators and pastors, I was looking at this text this week, agrees with this. Being rich toward God is, is using our riches, using the things of this world to show how good He is. To show how glorious He is. So let me ask ourselves the question. Is the way that you see your finances and your pursuit of stuff, does that when people look at that and say, man, God is the greatest treasure of the universe. 
Can they look at the way that we are pursuing things and say, those people really believe that God is more precious to them than anything else? Can people see that in us? Can they look into my life, to my bank account, come over to my house and see the way that my wife and I conduct our lives? And not just about money, mind you. Let me pull out for here. And the idea of generosity goes even deeper. The way we spend our time, the way we spend uh, the gifts that God's given us, do we use it for ourselves or do we use it for the glory of God? So, three things. Um, that I believe that we could learn from this, of how we use our money to give God glory. Like, how can we approach stuff with an open hand and say, I want God to be worshipped and praised. So Matthew chapter 5, we read that earlier in in the year. Um, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. And I think part of those good works is the way we spend our money. Can people look at that and glorify God? So we don't give to make much of ourselves. We don't give to make God love us. He loves us unconditionally in the gospel. But does our use of finances say more that we are worshiping ourselves and living for our kingdoms, or do we believe in the glory of God among the nations through the church? And that is not just expressed in the way I get my money, but in everything of my life. So here's three things. This is the way I think that we can use our resources to give God glory first. Humility. God, all I have comes from you. See, the man's fields were in abundance, but it wasn't because of anything he did. You say, oh, wait, wait, wait. He probably worked those fields, man. And I think what God would say to us is, yeah, but who gave you the strength to work the fields? Who gave you the capacity to know how to work the fields? Like, it wasn't you. It was not you. The success you've had in your life, even though you've worked, Paul would say, I've worked harder than anybody, but it was not I. It was the grace of God in me. It's not that we don't work. We do work. But we understand that when we have plenty, it's not just because we're awesome. <laughs> because God is awesome. And he's blessed us. And so there's a humility. That is what gives glory to God. As we say to our stuff, God, everything that I have comes from your hand. It's from you. It's all a good gift that comes from the Father of lights. He said every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So is, do we have a sense of humility? Not this arrogance. This is my stuff. <laughs> my stuff. No one can tell me how to use my money. It's like, it's not really yours. It's not mine. All I have comes from you. But he doesn't just say, all right, so give. <laughs> That's not what he says. Then there's contentment. We have humility. Lord, I don't have anything apart from you. But then we have contentment. He goes a step further. It's how good God is. Contentment says, God, all I need I have in you. Not just all I have comes from you, but all I need I have in you. Every good gift is from you, and you alone satisfy so turn your attention to the screen. I want to read these passages as we continue in the narrative here, verse 22. But I'm going to skip around a little bit for the sake of time, so it'll probably be easier to follow along up there. So after he's told us that to be rich toward God, here's the next thing that Jesus says to his disciples. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And all God's people said, ouch. What you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For your life is more than food. And the body more than clothing. It's just reflecting what Jesus just said. Your life is, does not exist in the abundance of your possessions. Verse 25. 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? You know what he's saying to us? You are not God. You make a really crummy God. You're worrying about all these things. And worry is really looking at God and saying, I do not trust you. I'm not content in you, and I'm not content in the circumstances you've placed me in. I'm worrying because I want to be in control. None of us are in control. That's what he's saying. You can't add anything to your life. You can't change anything about you and about your circumstances. But look at verse 30, the last half of that. It's such a beautiful promise. Your Father knows that you need them. He knows. Verse 31, instead, instead of worrying, instead of living your life frantically to get more, to bow down to that idol, look what he says, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Glorify God. Use your resources in every part of your life to seek his glory made known on this earth. If you will do that, he says, you'll have everything you need. I promise you that I'll do that. Verse 32 is such a beautiful verse. Fear not, little flock. I love that. Like, he just knows that we're just these sheep, like, just running around, like, freaking out. He says, don't worry. Fear not. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you believe that to be the posture of God's heart toward you? Some of you may have had a really hard time singing the song we just sang earlier, that, God, you're a good, good Father. Because you look at your life and say, the circumstances of my life doesn't seem that he's good. And I really struggle to believe that he's good. Do you believe that? That his posture toward you is this. God's posture. Listen, everything I have, son, daughter, is yours. Come be with me. Like, I have access into so much of your life. Like, come be with me. It's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Notice, that's not give you the most comfortable life. And that's not to give you everything you ever wished for, but to give you the kingdom, to see what life is like lived with him. It's his good pleasure to do that. But yet, I think the tension here is you can live in so many things pursuing being worrisome living your life out for stuff and you're going to miss this that my posture toward you is open i delight to give good gifts to my kids you've got to trust me though and money has a way to show us that we don't really trust we're not really content that god all i need i have in you can you say that do you really believe that you say well i've got i've need so much but do I really believe that God's going to give me everything that I need? And I'm not saying we shouldn't work. I'm not saying we shouldn't change our lifestyles. If, you know, there's wisdom in all of this. But God, I trust that you're enough. In the plenty and in the want or anywhere in between, you are enough. I'm content. Then last, generosity. God, all I have is for your glory and the good of others. So we're humble. I didn't do any of this. We're content. I have everything I need in God. But then there's generosity. So what that means is, God, I have all I have is for your glory. I, I want to live in such a way to show not that stuff is more glorious and not that my comfort is more glorious, but that you're better. So I'll gladly say I can live with less to give more. Because in that giving of more, it's not to earn favor, but it's to say you are glorious. I want to spend my life for this. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're back in 1 Timothy. He, he, notice, it's all throughout the New Testament. Paul's writing to a young pastor on how to instruct the church. And we're in that same letter, verse 18 of chapter 6. As for the rich in this present age. So, so, so Paul's look up here. 
you are rich. Even if you say, I'm a college student, I ain't rich, homie. Like, you are, compared to the world. Like, we are the richest people in, in the world. This is us. So, you can't check out because you said rich. Oh, not it. Put my feet back and ignoring the next 20 minutes. No, no, no. We're rich. So here's what Paul tells Timothy, and I think by proxy tells me as one of your pastors to do. Charge them, charge you, charge myself not to be haughty, proud, prideful, arrogant, seeking our comforts more than his, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. See, again, money has a way to set your hopes on it. But here's what you're supposed to do. But on God, set your hope on God, who richly, Here's the posture of God again toward us, who richly provides us with everything to endure. Is that what it says? What does it say? Everything to enjoy. That's what God wants us to enjoy our lives. But he says, verse 18, here's another command to the rich. They are to do good. How? To be rich in good works. To be generous and ready to share. Not living like this. Living like this. Thus, you say, well, man, I'm giving up a lot. What's in it for me? Well, verse 19, it's not a bad motivation to even ask that. It says, thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is a truly life. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'm not telling you to just sacrifice yourself. I'm saying, no, no, live this way now spend and be spent for the glory of God among the nations. Don't build bigger and bigger and bigger and find your security and your identity and your worth in stuff now. Give it away. Do good and be generous to all people, ready to share. Why? Because you're laying up a foundation one day and forever. Like we're, so I don't think none of us have this eternal perspective. I know I don't. I see my marriage in light of today. I see my resources in light of today, not in light of eternity. We're here and gone tomorrow, but you live for forever. Is your life more about this little blip on the radar, or is it about the eternity that you're going to spend either in the presence of God or out of the presence of God? So don't let money keep you out of the presence of God for eternity, and don't get to the end of your life and look back and say, I've given all my stuff for me. I've lived a very selfish life. And again, this is deeper than our resources and our money, but it's a good indication of our heart, but it, it spills over into everything. I lived it all for myself. And you're going to get to the end of your life and say, you know what, none of that really mattered. (laughs) I wasted it. It's not a waste to give generously. We think we've got to store it up for ourselves. So, in closing, and you know that means nothing, um, how is this possible? That's what we're to do. That's the way that we glorify God, the way we see our money. It's the way we show Him to be better. You say, Derek, this is hard. So the answer in church is not, So get up from here and start doing it. Get at it, right? Be more disciplined. You know? No, no, no. This is not, that's the last uh, answer that I'm going to give you. But it's not the first. Here's the first one. Gaze on the generosity of God at the gospel. Gaze on it. Look at how generous he is toward us. So Philippians 3 verse 8. This is one of the verses I decided to put up. I could read 30,000 of them. But indeed, I count everything as loss. Can you say that? Everything in my life is loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So if you take everything in your life, you put it in a pile, you come over here and you place Jesus, can you say that knowing Jesus, being like Jesus, making Jesus known is better, it's a surpassing worth than all of that over there? None of that in that pile may be evil. Maybe it is, and you need to repent of that. But this, I'm talking, we're talking good stuff. Can you look at your life and say, I count everything as lost to know him? The generosity of God. You'll never be able to say that if you don't understand the generosity of God. 2 Corinthians 8 says that though Jesus was rich, yet for our sake, our sake, he became poor in the gospel. He, he died your death. He didn't have to do that. So that in, through his poverty, through his suffering, through his giving of himself, that we might become rich. It's the gospel that our generosity is rooted in him and how generous he is. And Jesus, we just read it earlier in our worship service in Romans 8, that if God did not spare Jesus, then how in the world do we not also, would he not also freely, graciously give us all things? So if we doubt the goodness of God, look at the gospel that Jesus gave his, himself for us. Don't you think that he'll provide for you if you live your life trusting him? So in light of that, so you say, I can't say that, Derek, so what do I do? Well, we ask God to free us from greed and disbelief in God's generosity. Ask him. God, free me from this. I love this verse. Pray this passage of scripture every morning. It's a good prayer to pray. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Life is not from getting more stuff. Life is getting him. So turn my eyes from looking at all this junk. Give me a heart that wants you more than anything. And then lastly, trust God to provide as you live generously. There's two sides of this. I'm stealing this from Pastor John Piper. But he said there's two aspects of giving, okay? First is the duty of giving. The duty of giving. Luke chapter 12, verse 33 says, sell your possessions. We're back to the text we've been reading. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. He says, just be generous. Be generous. And so, there's a certain discipline to this. There's a duty of it. That he said, do this. And so if you want to fight the idol of greed, you know the best way to do that? Just give it away. It's hard to hang on to something you don't have. I mean, just be generous. And there's a duty of that. that there's something about it. If you're going to follow Jesus, there is an act of obedience, whether your heart feels it or not, to say, I'm going to live my life this way. And so I think some of us, we need to look at our bank accounts. And we need to say, does this statement... <laughs> reflect that i treasure god more than everything else if not what do i need to change what lifestyle choices do needs to look different what do i need to cut so that i can be more generous if i have no margin how can i make margin how can i downsize how can i do whatever just because and every time god increases our standard of of living does not necessarily mean or our standard of resources does not mean that we're supposed to increase our standard of living but maybe he blesses us more so that we can be more generous I think in this culture, we think we've just got to build bigger, and no one wants to talk about that. But if, if, if God is glorious, and the nations, listen, there are people. I wasn't going to go here, but I feel like I need to. There are people in this world, thousands of them, billions of them, that have yet to hear the name of Jesus. 
Like, just let that sink in. I do not want to waste my life on more stuff. I want to see everything about me, and yes, the way I use my money, but I want to see the Great Commission fulfilled. That's what your church is about. That's what we're about, and we're trying to, to, to pay off the debt that we have as a church, and by hopefully close to by the end of next year, we'll have that paid off to where we can give so much more money to the nations. We want to see disciples made. We're here in this building, and listen, it's from the generosity of other people. Like, we get to experience all of this because somebody gave and gave a lot for us to be here. And for most of us, it wasn't us in this room that did that. Like, it was people at the Gray Campus that believe in what we're doing and that provide for this. It's the duty of giving. It's not the only thing that we give, but it is a thing that we give. But then it doesn't stop just with the duty. It's the delight of giving. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. We'll read this, and I promise we're done. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then he says, but listen, even in the, in the context of I'm giving, notice what God does. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. But listen, that grace that we're just talking about, that he said, I'll provide everything you need, is in the context of you being generous and worshiping while you give. I don't know that that promise is for anyone. That all grace to abound in all circumstances and having sufficiency in all things at all times and abounding. I don't think that applies if we're not living life like this. We're missing all that God has uh, for us if we live our lives so stingy. Um, I experienced this even this week. You know, we have people in our house, uh, neighbors who don't know Jesus, and I was bummed that they were coming over because I was tired. <laughs> Saturday, the last thing I want to do was to be in our city serving like we did yesterday, so many of us. That was the last thing I wanted to do. The last thing I want to do is to take my money and say, man, maybe we'll spend our money on going to, on a mission trip rather than on vacation. Like, that's when it starts to get real for me, is I'm just a selfish person. That's why it's convicting to me. And I see tendencies of our church to want that and maybe expect and to not be generous. And God, change us. May we use our resources, but then not just that, but everything to show God as glorious and lives to be changed. So bow with me, and let's pray. Uh, continue into this time of worship um, in response, and we're almost finished, I promise. You'll be leaving here in just a, a few minutes, okay? So we'll be going to lunch, and we're doing the things that you're supposed to do, but let me ask that you not just check out in this moment because service is over. Ask God uh, to do these things in us. So, so many of us need to gaze at Jesus through the gospel. And you need to thank him that he was generous toward you. And some of you, this idea of money and all this stuff, listen, if you're not here and you don't know Jesus, we don't want your money at this church. We don't want your money. We want you to see Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. He's been so generous toward you. So if you're here today, even on a sermon on, on giving and money, maybe you can see your sin of selfishness as not just a thing that you kind of have. It's a problem because you've rebelled against God and you failed to see him as, as better than everything. And so what he's done for you is he's taken your place and he gives you a righteousness apart from yourself if you will repent and believe in him. So even though this is not what the sermon was about, we invite you to Jesus. So if you want more information about what that means, come talk to us after the service. We would be glad to talk to you after the service, fill out the card, wait around, we'll wait as long as we need to to answer any questions you may have about following Jesus. But for the rest of us, those who are in Christ, we see that he was so gracious to us, and so we gladly give and live 
to show him to be precious. So I think all of us need to thank the Lord for what he's done, but ask God to take our eyes away from worthless things and give us life according to his ways. Lord, don't let us be a greedy people. Help us to be just generous with our time, our money, to show you as great. And may we say, this song says, we're going to sing this as a prayer. All I have is yours. If you can't say this, I was just challenging you. You don't have to sing, but I would challenge you to sing it, asking God to make this your prayer. All I have is yours. Uh, You've created, you've given me all things, and so therefore, everything I've got is yours. So let's sing this together.